0: Uh-huh. Ahaha. <laughs> you it. You it. <laughs> why, why is that so funny to what you? What is going on, guys? Why is that so funny to you? <laughs> because. Like, I wasn't expecting <laughs> it. Ahaha. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, sal- Anyways. Salam guys. Welcome to Thoughtful Banter. What is going on,
1: guys? Welcome to the Thoughtful Banter Podcast. <laughs> You, patrons make everything possible. That's why we're giving giving you the special shout-out that we do at the beginning of every single episode because you guys have been putting money in our pocket and we haven't done anything for you and we appreciate it. Money in our pocket, fat stacks. Shout-out. Shout-out to Deadman, (laughs) Assad, Ali, Ahmad, Latifa, Ali again, but a different one, TJM, Justin,
0: and Muhammad. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. We don't know what we do without you. Dr. Sheikh Fayaz Jaffer is a research scholar for the Islamic Center at New York University and an associate chaplain for the Center of Global and Spiritual Life at NYU. He holds a doctorate in education from New York University with a focus on the identity development of Shia youth in the United States. Pursuing the classical course of Islamic education, he studied in the seminary of Karbala, Iraq, one of the most prominent centers for Islamic learning. As a faith leader and social activist, Dr. Sheikh Jaffer has lectured at various universities, seminars, and workshops across the United States, Canada, Europe, East Africa, and the Middle East, everywhere. As a highly sought-after lecturer and religious leader, he regularly leads prayer services and delivers sermons across North America. Due to the political and social climate, he has been making strides in the greater New York area by taking part in several interfaith seminars, discussions, with the goal of increasing dialogue with faith leaders. In addition to his role at NYU's Islamic Center, Dr. Sheikh Jaffer serves as the adjacent assistant professor of public services of NYU's Robert F. Wagner Graduate (coughs) School of Public Service. While he teaches On Islamic law and Islamic spirituality, and his research has appeared in academic journals. Thanks for watching the clip. Ah! (laughs) Alright, salam, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this video. Thank you so much
1: again, once again, Sheikh, for coming on and spending your time with us. So let's just jump right into it. I guess, um, so you started talking about your research and what you were studying during your PhD, and um, that's actually exactly the way we wanted to shift the conversation. Specifically first though, before we get into the details like nitty-gritty of that, I know you also spent time overseas in Najaf in the Hauza. So I guess my question is, how would you compare and contrast like that Islamic model, I guess Islamic model of education that you had in Najaf overseas versus the higher education that you experienced in the West? And then is there a way, have you thought of ways of maybe like adapting that to something that Maybe it's not exactly that because I don't think you can just copy-paste like learning models onto different societies necessarily, but maybe adapting it in a way that could fit the Western model.
2: <clears throat> so first of all, thank you guys for, for having me. Uh, happy to be here. Um, as for my studies overseas, they were actually in Kherbhara, uh, not not in, okay. in Nijia. But undoubtedly the style or methodology of learning um, is, is really, really similar in a seminary sort of setting in comparison with a sort of Western university academic setting, right? The the ultimate goal of any academic institution is to produce students who are able to sort of perceive, uh, understand, digest, and then sort of explain their their knowledge base. Um, And I think both of them, you know, naturally have their own methodologies based on culture, based on an environment, based on caliber quality of student you know, and whatnot, but naturally they're going to be different as well, you know, in a sort of a more seminary style, uh, education, um, we virtually go through, you know, what is probably the most, I don't know, the most defined parallel is like guided reading. For instance, there's like a book, it's like a really, really important classical textbook. Many of those, which are behind me right now, are, for instance, and we read the book A to Z, you know, from beginning to end, teacher reads it, stops discusses where things are important, uh, offers clarifications on language that might be sort of challenging to understand to the, to the, to the student. Um, after, you know, reading through however many pages based on how much time is designated in that class, thereafter, there's like room for conversation and discussion. Mm-hmm. In a university setting, right, in a Western university setting, it's like, we're going to give you this information, you're going to read it. And then you're going to come back to class like, with a discussion you know, or question or clarification. They both have their pros and cons, naturally. In other words, in the university, in this country, most students probably don't do the reading. <laughs> well, you know, probably digest more because you're allotted so much reading. Well, in a seminary, you're told to read the book A to Z, so you're actually reading less, more likely, than not, right? but hopefully you're able to sort of digest and understand what it is that you're reading as opposed to just acknowledging like most students do (laughs) in all settings. You have poor students and you have good students. Those who are more focused, those who are diligent, those who care about what it is that they're seeking, they're going to do a good job. Mm -hmm. And those who like are just trying to go through the motions, trying to do like the most bare bones sort of, you know, you know, let me get past the stage. They're going to be like what they're going to be at
1: the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Makes sense um yeah yeah you know, this
0: is your this is your field.
1: Okay. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay um so again you said your research was basically in the area of uh, developing uh, shia identity on the identity development on the identity, identity development. development there we go <laughs> identity mm-hmm. development
0: yeah. also. Yeah. I- i'm really curious to know like what did what what did you think you you would find and what did you find is if, if that's able you' if if that's something you're actually able to talk about i don't know if it is but i could talk I, mean, yeah. I, I think just bouncing off of that
1: is a good question because a lot of times people have aspirations of like going overseas and yeah. studying and then they get there and they're like their mirror is just shattered like the world is just shattered because it wasn't the way they expected the exact yeah. way they expected it to be um, so if you could speak to some of that experience, yeah.
2: So let me speak to that first, maybe, and then I'll and then I'll bring it into kind of my my research. Yeah, you know for sure. You know, I think that when we talk about you know visitation to shrine cities, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about studying in the Islamic seminary. There's this perception, you know, that you're going to be in the company of the greatest of you know God's creations, right? The most <laughs> noble and most you know um, sort of sincere. Uh, members mm-hmm. of religious clergy and many of them uh, you know undoubtedly are uh, and i was so privileged to have many um, teachers and mentors who i still maintain my relationship with till this very day That are able to kind of set me forth or ground me or answer questions or inquiries and you know really most importantly be a good role model when it comes to etiquette when it comes to ethics when it comes to you know reminding me what my role or responsibility is right at the end of the day And so a lot of people, they have this perception that like going to study overseas will mirror everything that they hear on the pulpit, for Mm -hmm. instance, right? About these, you know, individuals who devoted themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they have these sort of miraculous, you know, unveilings taking place on a daily or nightly basis or whatever it might be. And you're going to be in the company of that. But in reality, you know, at the end of the day, like again, any academic setting um, resembles or is sort of a microcosm of like the of, of, of the culture or community, um, you know, th- th- that you live in, you know, mm. you're going to have the good and you're also going to have the bad. In addition to yeah. a lot of the countries where, you know, many of these seminaries are situated, we're talking about, you know, countries and communities that have been sort of, you know, war-torn, poverty-stricken and so on. So you're going to see, again, a manifestation of that also present amongst the student population, you know, so that's something mm. to keep in mind. You know, even if I compare it to, you know, to to higher education in in the United States, right? I work at New York University, my degree there as well. I work with students on a day-to-day basis, which is my primary work, right? And, you know, you're going to see a wide variety of diverse students, you know, and members of the community, those who, like, really want to be, you know, involved um, in sort of, you know, Muslim student engagement and those who don't want to be those who are really, really sort of in tune with their studies and want to like, you know, be the best that they can be and utilize their degree as a means to an end, right? Meaning that I'm going to utilize this degree and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to like change the world. Or there are other people who see their degree as a means to like get a paycheck, right? And everyone have their own circumstances and situations why they think the way that they think. Maybe people come from like a lower you know, socioeconomic scale. So the only thing they could think about is graduating so they can make money, so they can pay their bills, and so they can pay out their debts, so they can support their families, whatever it might be. And that's fine, right? But to keep in mind that there's a diversity always, you know, and it really sort of stems from where you're at, like internally. And I think that that's the case in any quest for knowledge, right? Where are you at internally? Where, where, where's your heart at? In other words, what are you setting goals? Are you have objectives? Do you have intentions? How, what is your intentionality behind why you're doing what it is that you're doing? Think like materialization of success is that which is facilitated by the world of the unseen, right? God will take care of that, right? And really, really, if, if someone is sincere, I think, and they're trying to and they're trying to do uh you know things that are meaningful with their education, the opportunity to find um or to facilitate. Or to materialize in a meaningful way is undoubtedly sort of like within within God's hands. So to say it doesn't mean that we just kind of sit back and be like, oh, I'm sincere. I'm gonna like hang out and like it's all gonna happen. Yeah. But that you know, but but uh, there's certain it's certainly a part of it, if that makes sense. Okay. Does that help answer your question?
0: No, it, it it does, it makes sense. Um and you're probably like in such an interesting predicament because like you said, like I just can't imagine like it must be overwhelming, honestly, because like you're this place that it's just there's just so many different kinds of people yeah. people with different backgrounds um and you you're in a position where like you're there to probably serve like you know all of them like you have a, you have a responsibility to, to all the students that you know that that come to you um i'm just curious and i know this is like a, a it's a very general question but what is like the most common predicament that students have that they come to you with like sheikh i'm, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z, like what, what is like that most common thing that it is?
2: Yeah, you know, I think undoubtedly, you know, if if I were to answer that question as broadly as possible, I would say it's relationships, relationship with oneself, relationship with God, relationship with friends, relationship with family, relationship with, with significant other, relationship with professor, relationship with school administration, relationships more broadly, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, my role you know, as chaplain, uh, you know, as taking a look at sort of, you know, things through like a religious or sort of theological lens, uh, when I'm answering or when I'm communicating with these students um, is to, you know, seek toward reconciling, you know, how they're doing or, or, or how, to, how to offer them support as they're navigating through that moment, you know, that they're in, you know, so it's not only that they got into a fight with their friend, but like we can sort of identify to something, you know, a lot more problematic that you're always getting into fights with your friends, you know, like mm. what's going on? Or like, I have this sort of falling out with my parents or like, well, well what is it that caused this falling out with your parents? Or was it just something that happened like yesterday, you got into an argument about finances or something or how much mm. money you spent, you know, on campus and they saw your credit card bill. I don't know, right? <laughs> um, you know, and, th- and then of course we see things that are a lot more sort of serious, you know where someone looks mm. at themselves in the mirror and they hate themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and they're sort of this sort of, um, you know, um, you know, I don't know what to call it, but you know, how we can help an individual improve their relationship with their self, or, you know, you commit a sin or or or, or sort of get involved in something that you shouldn't have got yourself involved in. Um, And now, and now, and now, you know, you feel worthless, right? Someone feels, you know, how can I pray to God? Like, you know, we hear this sort of rhetoric so often, like, who am I to like worship? Like, you know, this God of ours no, like, you need to improve your relationship with God to understand that no matter what you do, like God's door is open for you, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, if if I talk about things, you know, more broadly relationships more broadly, you know, but, but you're sort of connected to that tangentially, you know, anything under the sun really you know, and yeah. suicidal ideation. You know, domestic abuse, rape, everything. You know, unfortunately, uh, people go through a lot of stuff. You know, unfortunately, and you know where 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 I'm sort of privileged and blessed is I'm able to help people. You know, and I think there's yeah. no there's, there's no benefit that is that is that you know that Allah subhanahu
0: wa taala afforded me uh, other than that. I mean, it's just it must be just tremendously overwhelming. Um, I, I'm just curious when you see I mean you're you're talking about like building talking about relationships just like generally like relationships maybe I would phrase that in my mind like I think of that think of the of I think of relationships as also like perception right like how you perceive the world around you how you how you interact with the world around you. Um do you what's within relationships, is there something that really stands out to you that's like very common that you think, oh hey, like I'm noticing specifically for example like well, some guys like 18 to 22 they have like this specific problem you know or like woman like they have this specific problem like what are like what's what are communities, our communities missing yeah like this, there's some yeah. kind of maybe there's something um our communities can do to like fill the gap yeah, either, well, yeah where are we yeah. not filling these gaps with with these kids that you know like i think um one thing that actually uh my mother-in-law was talking about his mother um, it's talking about holistic education. You know, she was saying that she notices as an educator that a lot of our kids in our communities, we focus so much on the educational aspect of things. We fo- we focus so much on making sure they get those straight A's and get the SAT scores that they have all these gaps. And then when they go to college by themselves and, you know, they, they have no family there and maybe they have to make they have no friends there, maybe a couple friends. Everything collapses because the whole focus was just on the intellectual aspect. Of things where, where do you see those gaps being in students? That's yeah, that's that, that,
2: that, so that's an excellent question. First of all, I had no idea you guys were brother in laws. This is really, really cute, you know. Not
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I uh, um, I would say communication, right? You're, you're right, right? There's such a focus many a times on like academics, right? To the detriment of our social interaction, you know, and and and, and it's so it's so problematic. And I would say, beyond sort of the student population that I serve um you know there's there is individuals based on sort of my travels or sort of my speaking engagements and so on know, across the country that reach out to me uh you know where they're encountering <clears throat> excuse me where they're encountering an obstacle with regards to their marital relation relations for instance right i don't get along with my wife my wife doesn't get along with me right something mm. like that um you know my husband you know is not receptive to me and you know we don't communicate properly right a, a, a million different issues uh, naturally that arise because we're talking about two different people uh, who come from two different worlds who have two different experiences who have two different sets of baggage now they're entering into like one roof and now they got to figure it out it's hard right no one said yes. it was easy so i would say that you know where 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 we can kind of fill those gaps is to create conversations around sort of healthy communication maybe you know maybe i'll call it right and healthy mm. communication. Is not only limited to two people, but it's again also the way that you communicate with yourself, you know? You have to understand, I have to understand that there are certain responsibilities that I have as an individual, you know? Then I yeah. also have certain responsibilities to my spouse, to my friend, to my, to my, to my to my partner at work, to my classmate, to my employer, to my fellow sort of employees, whatever it might be, right? So how can we communicate adequately? We live in a world that we're sort of bombarded with emails and text messages, right? And text-based sort of, you know, conversation, um, often to the detriment of our ability to talk face-to-face, you know? Yeah. Um, we, and so, so many in the issue arise from like, you know, our communication via text, uh, as opposed to, you know, our our ability to speak you know, face to face with people. Mm-hmm. No one wants to get into arguments, right? It's not comfortable. We don't like to argue. We don't, you know, we 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 love to push away, you know, having to deal with hard or difficult conversations. And I'd rather just text that fight, right? Rather than like have that fight face to face when things, you know, right, ra- you know, voices can be raised and things can be thrown. You know, you, you know, obviously you've got, you got you you get what I'm saying. So communication, I would say, you know, undoubtedly is 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 number one. Mm. I mean,
0: it's just like I think COVID, people are talking about like the, like the kids that grew up during, you know, COVID, like those two years of quarantine, you know, I'm hearing teachers talk about that now, like not, not, this sounds like I'm making fun of people. I, I don't intend to, but it's like, these kids are awkward, you know, right. like a lot of kids. I mean, my generation is, is awkward too. I'm just, I'm just looking <laughs> down as in like, like the, the younger they are, they're just getting more and more awkward, you know, like the kids who are growing up more with these, you know, I, I remember I remember distinctly the day no one wanted to come outside to play because everyone had an Xbox. Like, I remember that shift. I remember Mm -hmm. I used to play outside every day with my friends and just in the neighborhood, just knocking on kids' doors. And then it was, no, we don't want to play with you, man. We got an Xbox (laughs) at home, you know?
2: Yeah, for yeah, sure. Um, you know, just to just to kind of like talk, talk back that point, right? Like, first of all, like, you know, uh, Muslim kids already have like so- socially awkward interactions on a day to day.
1: Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> based on our yeah.
2: cultures and based on yeah, our upbringings exactly. and whatnot. Right. And then and then you add this, you know, added layer of, mm. of, you know, technology. Right. And you added added a layer of, of you know, COVID um, and sort of how that has kind of really exasperated the issue. In so many mm-hmm. ways, amplified it, you know, uh, you know, tenfold, right? And yeah. so, communication undoubtedly is not only limited to young people, though, as a challenge, right? To anyone and to everyone, it's hard to have hard, difficult conversations, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so, um, I think that all of these, you know, aspects that you speak to also demonstrate, kind of, in the long term, the potential for even more heartache, right, around. Um, how to navigate relationships more broadly so you know absolutely I'm with you on that
1: yeah I don't mean to turn this into like a and a but I do have a like I do have a question <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess my question is piggybacking off of the things that you guys were talking about I know a lot of people um, this is like has to do with drugs <laughs> so a lot of people they will talk about um certain drugs psychedelics or whatever giving them these spiritual experiences and how it's like increased their spirituality Mm. and um this is something an idea i've been playing with in my head but i'm not sure how sound it is is i'm just running it by you does islam value the real hard difficult work being put in to achieve like the the rewards (laughs) of the outcome so what i mean by that is like you guys were saying it's hard to have these conversations in person it's hard we we do these things over text we live in this social media world because it's quick and it's easy mm. and you don't have to go through the difficulty of like, like going to the gym for example and working out to build muscle mm. right so how how does like i guess islam align with that concept that i just described that you guys have been talking about and i just described
2: yeah you know i think i think before i even like try to answer that question i would say like you know why why do you think that it's so important that um, there is like a value or incentive of reward, because you mentioned that, like does Islam reward having tough conversations? You know, and in kind of like a rhetorical question, I don't mean to throw that back to you, but like why are we so fixated as like Muslims on reward in the first place, right? Like reward is, you know, a means to an end. It should not be the end in and of itself. If the end is God, Right. Reward is the means to the end. Imagine I go to my employer and I'm like, hey, boss, let me tell you that, um, you know, I hate this job, you know. I hate you, right? But so the <laughs> paycheck that you pay me, you know. Yeah. So, uh keep paying me. And you know, and you know and while I'm here, why don't you also give me a 10% raise? Like that that's it, it you know, like it, it's not appropriate, right? I so wish. Day, that?
0: <laughs> I said I wish. I wish it was appropriate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um so at the end of the day, right, it's like more about um a sort of like realigning or resetting like this intentionality again that we kind of spoke about before right so the intention is to find god right the intention in this relationship is to make it a fruitful relationship right with my spouse with my child my parent with my friend with my whoever at the end of the day it shouldn't always be about you know like oh like is a rewarding me for this no you're doing the right thing it's the right yeah. thing to do the reward will come that will, you know, is definitely there. We love to tangentify. I don't know if that's a word, but you get what I'm saying. Like, we want something <laughs> physical. Yeah, we want yeah, something yeah. physical for everything that we do, you know? And, like, if we're living this sort of transactional lifestyle, there's never going to be, like, real benefit. To anything that we do, That we, we're not going to put any meaning into it, you know? You follow what I'm saying? The reward will come. Yeah. Paradise is ours, inshallah. You know, don't,
1: don't worry about that part. Uh, no, no, I appreciate, I appreciate that reframing. Um... I um I'm <laughs> I'm an economics major. And so some of the, you know, everything is about like Money, process, guy, everything my numbers all this, and all this stuff, right? <laughs> so um I like I was speaking in that way because that's just not the way I've been speaking throughout the semester, basically. Um, but I like the way that you reframed that because it it spoke to something that I also want to ask another question about. <laughs> and um, that is basically I've been noticing a trend from you, from other scholars that are present on social media, and even the ones that aren't. And basically, it is, a, is it, it is a move away from like, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Rather, it's like, Allah is the most forgiving. And I think from your one of the clips from your Instagram specifically said, hell is the exception. Uh, and I thought that, that, that really resonated with me and that really resonates with a lot of people, especially people who have kind of grown up right. with the don't do this, you're going to hell. I mean, it's, it's basically the exact opposite of what you just said. You're like, do this, you'll get rewarded. Don't do this, because you're going to go to hell. Yeah, <laughs> you know. When maybe the frame should be, do this, it'll get you closer to God. Yeah. Don't do yeah. this, it'll, it might take you further away.
2: You see, like I, I you know, for, for me, I, I don't see this kind of like a, like a, like a trend away from what you've always heard, or like I'm trying to present something new, you know, and 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 because a lot of people they tell me that, right? Um, and I'm, and I'm not saying you were saying that specifically, but. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I travel you know fairly often to like different religious communities, and everyone tells me, like, hey, like talk about paradise like a lot, like we appreciate that. Like, and, and for me, it's like I'm happy that you're benefiting from 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 you know what I'm what I'm presenting in front of you. But what I'm presenting is not anything new, right? Mm-hmm. What it is, what it is in sort of my estimation is an authentic reading, you know, of the Quran mm-hmm. and the hadith of the Prophet and his family, uh wasalaam, right? And it's and 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 unfortunately. It's like our rhetoric, our culture, community, you know, upbringing, whatever, that we've been bombarded with all of this mm. negative image around like God, around religion, around faith. Like it doesn't, it's not, I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's not complicated, right? Islam, yeah. religion, getting to our ultimate goal, right? Of perfection, you know, paradise on the way, getting closer. And th- that is very difficult and challenging. And anyone going back to your point about people who like, you know, are intoxicating themselves or doing drugs and they think, oh, this makes me, they don't know like what spirituality is then, right? Like that, that's mm-hmm. not, they might say that that's spiritual. That's not spiritual, right? That's not spirituality. We have just identified anything that makes us feel a different way. Oh, this is spirituality. No, that's not the case, right? These, oh, I, I, you know, we, we have firm definitions, you know, that are that are sort of within a framework that allow for us to cultivate that reality right so our perceptions then around religion are so negative um naturally on the basis of our upbringing now like you know how can how can we sort of shift that to like a more authentic reading a more authentic approach toward understanding our religion so, so going back to this point and i'll and I'll pass it back to you guys it's like like I said before attaining like the height that we're seeking to is challenging but religion essentially is not complicated right you 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 fulfill your obligations and you stay away from the prohibitions right you fulfill your responsibilities you be a good person right and that's it's finished like that it does yeah. yeah, <laughs> right like <laughs> yeah, you yeah, believe sure. in what you've yeah. been told to believe we believe in a god we believe in a prophet We believe in this Quran. We submit to their family, uh, to, to his family وسلم, those who have been appointed by God, right? So that's our belief. And then law is staying away from that which is haram, doing that which is obligatory. That's like number two, law. And then three is ethics. Ethics is be a good person, right? Finished. That's it, three points. Believe, practice, B, it's it's finished. There's nothing come more on. to it. You know what I'm trying to say. We complicate yeah. all the issues, right? Um, I'm again, it's not, it's, not, it's again. I'm not saying that it's easy to do all those things. It's challenging. But what in life is not challenging? You talked about you can't go to the gym, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, just like walk around the gym, and all of a sudden you're going to come out, you know, looking like I don't know who, right? <laughs> like, well, but you have to work hard for it. But at the end of the day, we can simplify it and say like, eat healthy and exercise regularly, right? And you're good, you're healthy. Your physical body's healthy. No one's gonna say that eating healthy and exercising regularly is easy, right? We'll just say, if we simplify, it's just these two things, you know? And that's what it is. Religion is three things. Believe, do the law, follow the law, and be a good person. That's it. Alhamdulillah. I just,
1: I really like your point about, we associate these things that give us a specific feeling and we call it spirituality yeah um and i think one one example that i always go back to is something that said so has said before and he said if you are if you are like obligated to go to war and like do jihad for example and you come back and you have btsd like <laughs> you might not be you might, you might not feel good but what you did was spiritual you know so i, I just thought that was a uh, I like nice say that word on the podcast. Though. be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I just cut that out. The I, I think, can use a different example, but you know, I'll, I'll edit it. Don't, don't worry.
0: Point, the point, that, I think it's it's such a prevalent point for for our generation. I mean, that's something that you you see it all the time, and I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I think maybe it has something to do with like a lot of Muslims happen to be immigrants, and I think. Um, a lot of people were coming here for better lives. And, you know, when you're in a stressful, I'm not a psychologist by any means, I'm over my head saying this, but I think, you know, it's fair to say when you're in a stressful environment, sometimes the way you communicate with people is a little bit more cut and try because you have less time, you know, like you need your kid to listen to you. You're like, hey, uh, don't do this. You're going to go to hell. You know, like <laughs> you try to use some kind of motivation just because you're trying to keep keep things in order. You don't have time for like this long, um, I guess, more I don't even say more complicated, but it just takes more time to to process other information. And when you're trying to get things going, you know. And then you come to this country, you work hard, and your, your children listen to you. You settle down, and things things are great, right? Like you, you people got their money, they got their education, but their entire way of viewing God is yes and no. It, it's just it's just binary. Is I sinned, I'm bad, and then do good because. should be doing good you know but but we forget about that that most important element it's like you know allah's Allah's all merciful
1: bouncing off of that in our in like i said our i'm not a parent yet but in like (laughs) parents had to be like raising of their children what should they be doing instead because obviously we've had a whole generation affected by the do this you're going to hell do this (laughs) you're going to heaven it doesn't seem to work um what are some alternatives like how would you how would you suggest to a parent how they would you know how they might raise their child what things they should focus on not the specifics obviously but like (laughs) yeah I mean I'm
2: not I'm not claiming to be you know like an expert in this nor am I claiming to have all the answers you know Mm -hmm. um but what i like to do In my own life, and certainly that which I speak to is that which is sort of backed by some data or evidence, you know. And you know, undoubtedly, to understand kind of the psychology of a child, right? To under, you know, and again, I'm not claiming to be an expert in this at all. As someone's watching and they're saying, "What's this guy talking about?" Right? I'm I'm an expert (laughs) in this. I'm not trying to claim to be one, but to understand kind of the stages of a child's growth and development. For me, reading about that, listening to podcasts about that, you know. you know discussing with experts about that has been really really helpful and i'm not <laughs> i'm not claiming at all that i'm like this perfect father role model at all don't don't get me wrong you know it's it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a um you know learning process so to say for, for myself as well and my kids are fairly young in comparison with probably many of the listeners and whatnot but anyhow to understand kind of their psychology their development um and to take it easy and to understand stage by stage where they're at, what they're thinking. Let me give you an example. Um, At a very young age, the child can only understand things via physical or tangible means. That's why they take things and put it in their mouth all the time. That's why they like to put their feet in water, for instance. That's why it's encouraged, for instance, and I've spoken to physicians about this, pediatricians, about you know, allowing for the kid to like roll in grass, you know, when it's at a very young age, because it needs to be exposed to the nature and it likes the feeling of it and appreciates being under the sun and so on. I remember when my kids were really, really young, both of them when they were about two years old. Um, amongst the, their first sort of communications or things that they would get really, really excited about is whenever they would see the moon up in the sky, we'd be driving, looking out the window, you start screaming, moon, 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 right? It was like something really, really exciting, you know, a child when they see a rainbow, you know, appear in the horizon. You ever seen like a kid, how happy that they get? Because we're exposed, like, sorry, like naturally, we're we're innately kind of wired to appreciate nature. We grow up a little bit, the only thing we do is look at our phones, you know? <laughs> and, we, and we totally forget looking up at the sky, you know. Mm-hmm. They get excited about rain, they get excited about snow. Now we're like so upset and annoyed when it's raining and snowing, right? Because our our world, you know, is 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 only is only functional when it's a perfect, like sunny, beautiful day, like it is today over here, at least in New York. You know, for instance, I'm sure yeah, it for it's you guys nice right? 65 it's it's nice, like yeah. degrees, it's sunny, right? Hoodie weather, maybe, right? It's like nice, like, yeah. it's beautiful, you know. Um <laughs> So, so, you know, I think that understanding kind of where they're at and their development and stages is, is important on one, on one end. The second thing is particularly with the relationship with God, to also speak with them in an accordance with the level of their understanding, you know, I want you to imagine like what goes on in the psychology, forget of, you know, a child, but of, of someone who is perhaps within our age demographic. And I'm not claiming to be in your age demographic. I'm just trying to pretend like I'm around closer to (laughs) your uh, than your uncle (laughs) uncle status, right? But I will say that um, when you are consistently being told that if you do this, this is going to happen to you. It'll mess you up. You go to a college classroom, right? And your professor says, if you come one minute late I'm deducting three points, you're gonna hate that professor, right? You go to work and your and your job tells you, you know, if you do this, like you're gone tomorrow, right? Like you're gonna be penalized. You're never gonna get a letter of recommendation even after I fire you, right? Just whatever, right? Yeah. You don't want, or, or we're gonna start removing money from your paycheck. Oh, that's it, finished. The most important thing to us is our wealth. Every day you come in late, I'm removing $5 from your paycheck. You look at your week, oh, shoot, I lost $15 this week, right? I'm done, you know? Like nobody wants to live under sort of that rule, you know? So I think that when we perceive God, we perceive God as this oppressive God, right? We don't perceive God the way that he introduced himself as a just God. Do we fear somebody who is just? We don't fear anybody who is just. We love people who are just. We love people who are equitable. We love people who are fair. Allah is al-adil. He's the all-just. But our perception of him him is he's abbalim, right? He's this oppressive God, this oppressive professor, this oppressive boss. No, that's not the case. We love someone. We appreciate someone who's equitable, someone who is fair. And in addition to that, he's the most merciful of those who show mercy. So in what world, in what world do I have this perception where I fear God? Going back to your point about, you know, out of, out of convenience, we tell our children, for instance, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. That's not a like that. I, again, I'm not blaming people who do that. Cause that's the way that they were probably taught themselves. Mm-hmm. We're not putting in the intentionality to rewire ourselves and to recommunicate those things to our children. Then like, we're not, we're perpetuating the problem. In other words, that's not going to allow for real impact and growth, you know, in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's just something that's At the end of the day, like you know, I I just I we we all know of you know people you know they they go to college and college is really that testing ground, especially if you travel you know away from your hometown to go to school. And then you know, like no one's no one's perfect. People get exposed or get some kind of sin, and then that's a lot of times spiritually the, the 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 snowball effect happens for people. You know, it's like they commit a sin, and then they they have that distorted relationship with Allah where they they're not looking at him as for his mercy they're looking like oh I'm I'm such a I'm such a uh a bad person you know I've sinned you know so I'm not even gonna pray then they miss a couple of days of praying so it's like it get, things get worse and worse and worse and it's like well this I'm going is going to hell I'm anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hell in two weeks. I haven't missed a lot I haven't missed a lot in two weeks. I'm not feeling spiritual at all I'm I'm feeling depressed and all these things are happening because of this simple thing of like how our relationships with Allah are our, our relationship with Allah isn't, isn't framed the way that he has intended it to be. You know I mean? I, that's just something that you, you, you probably see all the time. I'm curious to know, what do you do? Like when you're talking to someone, you know, a college student, they're not adults, but like, you know, they're adults, you know, like as in their problems are their problems now. What do you tell someone who's like 20 is coming to you and you're, maybe they don't even know that's their problem, that they have a messed up relationship with Allah well, what do you what do you tell someone who doesn't even know that that's their issue, and you you can see it as their issue. And how do you how do you break that down? Like how does that conversation even go? Well, I would say for someone who's
2: twenty years old, someone who's a college student, number one, they're absolutely an adult, right? Yeah, and they own that adulthood. Number yeah. two, I would say it's a lot easier for me to communicate to them than it is for me to communicate to the forty five year old fifty year old man, you know, mm. or woman because for someone who's twenty, and they're that really formative period in their life when they're a college student, they're around diversity, they're still sort of in this state of intellectual curiosity and so on. It's much easier for me to just tell them straight up, your relationship with God is like totally a, like, like like, a mess, right? I mean, I wouldn't say it that way, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I'll, I'll be able to present it in a way and package it in a way where hopefully they'll be able to digest that fairly sort of adequately. For someone, you know, who is, Who's, who's, who's been sort of layered with that now for decades, right? Three, four, five, six decades of their life, bombarded with, you know, this really strange understanding of who God is and God hates me and everything bad that happens to me is because, you know, like, you know, I get sick, I, I trip and I fall, oh my God, like Allah hates me, why did Allah do this to me, you know? No, you know, I, I invested my money in the market and everything, you know, everything lost, uh, you know, I lost X amount of money, like, why did Allah do this to me? No, man, you should have done your research, like before you invested in that, right? The markets are very terrible, right? I should work it, right? So we have this perception that a God plays a very direct role in our life at every given moment. When that's not the case, God creates laws that govern this universe. Laws of cause and effect, for instance. Right. And, and, and any and, and sort of any student or, or sort of anyone who understands kind of basic Islamic theology, it's not such that we are so important in God's eyes that every time we make a mistake, he punishes us. And every time that we do something good, he like unveils some like reward for us. Like when we're walking from coming back home from work, we find a brief pay for one hundred dollars, you know, of a million dollars because I gave a dollar in charity. That's, that's not how it works. You know, there are yeah. effects. Right. Uh, in this world that we live in, yes, we put in an effort and God will facilitate for us, but it won't be sort of through some miraculous means. So I would say that, you know, for someone who's a lot younger, it's very easy to package it in a way and be very deliberate, demonstrating to them that, hey, I think that the reason why you're feeling this way and you're seeing things that way is because you don't know that God is like this merciful God who actually wants your success and cares about you, you know? Well, on the flip side, for someone who's been bombarded with, this, you know, you know decades worth of rhetoric about how God hates him or her, it's much more challenging. But at the same time, the potential is always there. And it's just about them having that ability to truly be receptive to what it is, you know, that is mm-hmm. this authentic reading of our
1: religious tradition. If that makes sense. So um, I do have a question because honestly, I myself have a slight concern and not necessarily with you, but maybe with other people i think Even if you have it with me, just go for it, man. <laughs> Break it down. other other like people on social media who push this line of um you know god is all like all all merciful all of this is true but maybe what do you what do you think about the idea that perhaps there in some cases there is an overcorrection in the sense where people then start feeling that there is nothing that they could do to incur god's wrath yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. because like i think people are prone to like binaries like it's either all this way or all one way um and then maybe the argument could be made even that maybe it's better that someone think maybe it's better that someone is like hesitant of everything they do because they think they're going to go to hell and someone who just goes all in with this and is like oh god will forgive me (laughs) (laughs) so one is where's that balance (laughs) my my real question is like how do we strike that balance yeah and then um yeah i guess speak to that yeah i mean i would say like you know the the
2: the balance sort of is demonstrated in that prophetic hadith in which he states that a believer is not a believer Until they are both fearful and hopeful Fearful to incur that wrath, punishment, accountability But at the same time hopeful of the mercy and compassion There has to be that, right? If there is not that, then we've lost everything We've failed to understand you know, that God is you know, this merciful God But again, he's also the just God, right? And, and remember that it is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That precedes his wrath it is mentioned within the Quran. as mentioned within the Hadith literature. Uh, Rahmati sabaqat that my mercy precedes um, uh, precedes wrath. Um, in addition to that, God, like we know, introduces Himself as you know, Rahman, Rahim. You know, consistently, the most merciful, the most compassionate, and so on. But at the same time, undoubtedly, God is the most merciful of those who show mercy. But He's also Shadid al-Aqab, He is swift in His punishment. Right? We we understand that. I would say that number one if someone you know falls or sort of sees things only through binaries that burden of responsibility doesn't fall you know on the one who's putting out a 30 second reel on instagram right but it falls (laughs) people for failing to know what their responsibility is but i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that, that that in any way to sort of sound defensive right i would say it in a way to understand kind of the way that I understand or the way that I see through my personal lens, like community and like religious development. I see people or I talk to people every single day who have no inclination or desire to, you know, um, engage their religious tradition at all. Obviously, I believe, you know, in in a God. I believe in the Prophet. And I love and devote myself to the teachings of Ahrulbait, peace and blessings be upon them. Right. And so my perception is that it is so beautiful and so pure, and and something that I love so much. And that if I have the opportunity to change other people's perception of who God is, I can also help them change their perception of who they are, of who those Mm -hmm. around them are, Mm -hmm. of how to like Mm -hmm. rebuild community and society, how to engage Mm -hmm. in community building more adequately, right? There's a lot of needs in this world, because we talked about all of the gaps that people are seeing, we have poverty. We have homelessness. We have suicidal ideation. We have domestic violence and abuse. We have a whole host of various issues that we can come to the forefront of sort of reconciling. But if we if we are not truly grounded in terms of our relationship with God, we're just going to give up on life entirely. You know, so that yes. hope is so non-existent in the world. You know, there are plenty of people you know who are going to feed that opposite extreme. And the only thing that it does is it take, it, it completely removes, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, All you know, maybe people who are so fearful of hell, they're so cautious about their actions on a day-to-day basis. No, I would say that someone who loves God, someone who sees God's mercy, they would be that much more cautious about their deeds and actions, because why would you ever want to disappoint a God that loves you? Why would you ever want to disappoint someone that cares about you? Let me give you an example like our 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 mothers love us, right and the you know even if our mother never scolds us or screams at us or penalizes us or holds us to account when when we do something wrong um you know we're gonna have the sense of guilt that oh man, if my mother knew like what I did, I would be so disappointed like you know like how just how disappointed would she be you know and I would say the same thing when you love your when you love your place of employment, you love your work, you love your colleagues. You don't want to let them down. I hear this from like you know athletes all the time. I'm a big sports fan. Uh, I'm a depressed <laughs> like New York Knicks fan.
1: Depressed friends. Knicks fan.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> so like I you know I, I, I watch a lot of basketball. I watch a lot of football. Right. And it's like I hear these athletes talking, and they're like you know I did I did it for my teammates. You know that's like what you know they're injured and they're still playing. They're putting forth because they love them. They appreciate them. They see this like unique bond. Now, imagine our relationship with God. We don't want to disappoint God. So I'm going to be that much more careful with my actions, with my interactions, with my prayers, with my focus, and my diligence based on that relationship, you know? And I truly, sincerely believe that by sort of transitioning anyone's sort of relationship with God, like a lot of the other tangential obstacles and challenges and experiences that we endure have the ability to kind of be navigated more adequately
0: and appropriately. Do you feel like? And thank you for that. I mean, that was that was beautiful, mashallah. Um <laughs> If I have to end
1: on that one, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I have to
0: end there, just because it was so beautiful. Um, but I'm, I'm. This is just like a thought to my head. Like, do, do you feel like um, this just came to me? Like when you, you and Hussein are, are going back and forth between this. Uh, to me, it feels like from what I've seen and from my own experience. I feel like the thing that's probably the thing that holds back religious people the most, like religious people, like people who grow up believing, trying their best, is the fact that when they sin, they they feel like they lose momentum because of that of that inclination in their head, of of that of the entire association, right, of of thinking like, oh, lost momentum, might as well not make a lot, already missed my prayer, so I'm just gonna not pray today. Do 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 you do you find that to be true in, in your in your perception, yeah,
2: so yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think if you kind of take a look at the flip side of it, right? You take a look at the best of examples. Take a look at the Prophet, <laughs> alayhi salam, alayhi wa sallam. Take a look at the Imams, no, 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 no. Right? You know, they would devote themselves in worship and obedience to God. And you know, people would come to them and be like, "Why are you like so, spending so much time worshiping? You know, like you're 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 the messenger of God. You're 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 the commander of the faithful." You don't, you're like, you're like, you don't even have any sins. Like, what are you worried about? But the Holy respond, you know? akunu And why should I not be in this state? This is the Lord of the world. I'd love to be in communication with the Lord of the world. Mm. You know? So when you have that like relationship with God, it's not because of this layer of sin or something, you know? It's because you appreciate what it is that you're doing and you value it. And you also then feel different. You know, we're talking about spirituality, whatever. Not only do you feel, but you see you know, benefit and growth via it. It offers you a sense of contentment. That with the remembrance of God, right, we find this contentment of heart. Um, So our our, our entire sort of understanding, our entire life, our entire perception uh, of ourselves, of God, of, you know, everything that, that we're encountering around us completely is transformed once we sort of engage in this, you know, sort of very intimate relationship with, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask God to sort of you know take us there inshallah and, and 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 with his love fill our hearts so that we're able to feel that same sense of inspiration motivation and desire
0: inshallah inshallah Do we Sheikh, how long do we have you for I'm good
2: for uh six more minutes
0: six more minutes okay if you don't mind I just I mean we've we've covered I, I actually I, I like this because we had our own questions lined up but I, I like having an organic conversation is always better. But since we have six more minutes, I actually want I mean, to cover a lot of covered, covered all, everything, but I have one question that wasn't covered. First question you was, asked about
2: my research, we never even talked about it, but that's like another that's day.
0: yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have you on a second time, inshallah. inshallah. <sighs> part, two. Uh, part two Um, I was just curious to know like what is um the, the MSAs are oftentimes oh, not so a nice. space that is a majority filled with Shias. Um I, I just wanted to ask. What is that struggle like in, in campuses? Like, how how are how are Shia students doing with that? You know, and w- what can be done to assist them? Yeah, I
2: mean that that's a pretty tough question. It's something that I deal with on a day to day basis, sort of in my work. Um, like like you guys might know, um, you know, most you know Muslim student groups on American college campuses are pretty like you know male dominated. They're pretty like, you know, South Asian, Desi dominated. And they're pretty like Sunni, you know, uh, dominated as well. Um, so to that neglect, it, it it isolates anyone who is non-Desi or non-Arab. Maybe if I even broaden the scope a little bit, it immediately isolates women um, and, it, and it isolates anyone who does not identify as Sunni. And so at the end of the day, we're talking about, you know, a group, of individuals in this really formative age period of their lives like we said before 18 to 25 or so they're trying to like navigate struggle figure things out in their own lives the thing that they want the most is the sense of belonging, what we call the sense of belonging, right? It's one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You guys might be familiar with something you guys studied from Mm -hmm. high school, college, whatever. Everyone loves community. Everyone loves family. Everyone loves to be around people who love them and care about them. And we innately desire that as a human being, no doubt about it. It's even sort of well-grounded within religious text. And so over here, we're talking now about Uh, you know, Shia students, if I were to add additional layers to that, many of those were non sort of, you know, South Asian, non Arab, if I were to add another layer to that, you know, those who are women, they um, encounter what we call multiple marginalities. They're sort of pushed out further to to the periphery, and they have that much more of an obstacle in terms of finding community or finding that sense of belonging that we're talking about. And it has the ability to create so much more of a challenge at a time in their lives where it's already challenging to be be a human being. Now, more than that, right, from that age group. More than that, you're a Muslim. More than that, you encounter Islamophobia. More than that, you encounter sort of issues around gender-based sort of things. And then in addition to that, now you encounter Shia-phobia. right? And you're sort of now. Nah, now nah, that's challenging. Like it is really, really, really hard, you know, because a college student already deals with you know food insecurity, already deals with economics and you know paying to, off their tuitions, already is encountering you know difficulties around their mental health, depression and anxiety amongst college students are at sort of exorbitant rates, right? Like, 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 like I'm sure that you're all familiar with. So over here, what can we do to assist them? Amongst those things that we can do to assist them is seek toward creating communities and linking them up with individuals who are similar to them. That goes a really long way toward any individual's growth and development. So a lot of the work that I do is help in building out and supporting different um, college campuses and students on their respective college campuses to create, you know, for instance, advocate student associations, ABSAs, or things that are similar to that. Shia student, you know, groups uh, or, 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 or provide some sort of programming or networking, such that they're able to realize that they're not in this alone. That they're able to find some sense of community so that it also doesn't take away from the fact that their ultimate responsibilities to be a student, that this can supplement them, where the fact that they have others that they can communicate with, share experiences with, so on and so forth um, on campus, so they can be the best student they can be um, sort of in the process, if that makes sense. This is a longer conversation it does yeah, yeah.
1: yeah i know i know so yeah. it's yeah.
0: like the tip of the iceberg yeah <laughs> well inshallah, we have you on a second time and before you let us go um is there uh, a way that people can reach you support you what's the best way for people to get in contact with you if they ever want to um book you you know plug plug in whatever you got the podcast what's the best way people can reach you and, and contact you and support what you do
2: i appreciate that um you can um Hit me up on social media at Fayaz Jaffer F A I Y A Z J A F F E R. Um, I'm most accessible via email for booking speaking engagements, whatever it might be. FJ490 at NYU.edu, FJ my initials 490 at NYU.edu. Um, you can catch out you you can, you you can catch my podcast, which is um, released every night during the month of Ramadan. Hopefully, more often than that, if time permits. Uh, it's called Sheikh It Up with Sheikh Fayaz. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Sheikh It Up with Sheikh Fayaz. I have an archive about a, of 150 plus 15 minute short talks um, that hopefully uh, you'll find inspiring and beneficial and hopefully it doesn't put you to sleep like many others have told me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I really appreciate you guys having me and hopefully uh, this conversation was beneficial for all the listeners. It was fun for me, for sure.
0: It was one for us as well. Thank you so much for joining. It was actually... It, it went by quick.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going
0: to
1: hear that. All right, guys. I'll see you all soon, inshallah. All
0: right. Thank you.
1: Right. Take care. Like.